Hi, Tamarindo Amiguis. Happy Women's History Month. We're still on a little break, so we invite you to revisit this interview with author Prisca Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez. Speaking about fantastic mujeres, if you want to support brown women authors, we invite you to shop at sholobooks.com. That's X-O-L-O books.com, a Latina-owned independent bookstore that amplifies intersectional and anti-colonialist literature. Save 10% off your purchase with the code TAMARINDO at checkout. We'll have a brand new show for you next week. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Hi, Anna Shayla. How are you? What's up, Brenda? You know, I've been through it. I've been going through it. (laughs) You had a terrible flight, I I heard. The the flight from hell, yep. But at least we're here in person. So listeners, we're here in person. I'm already feeling more energy just from seeing you, from just even turning the mics on. Like I was literally right before, before I was like, I was like a little zombie and (laughs) you turned it on. I'm like, hey, Brenda, ¿cómo estás? (laughs) Sintonando. Este, yo, but yeah, been going through it. Um, Been a very emotionally difficult time for me. So I'm just really leaning into all of the healing things really asking me all the questions asking myself all the questions like what is helpful for me right now what do I need trying to move from just hurting to hurting and healing hurting and relieving so I've been doing some things like a temascal if you've ever done a temascal before that sounds really hot it's very it's very hot (laughs) it's supposed to symbolize you going into the your mother's womb (laughs) and then coming out and you really do feel como que reborn and then i did a a reiki session the other day for the first time have you heard of that i have (laughs) heard of it but i've never done it okay it's like an energetic like thing they don't actually really touch you but you feel it right you feel you know what before i've never done it before because i'm like i don't know about this and i'm open to the bruja stuff but i was like i don't about this but legit I had been feeling a lot of like tension and tightness in my like chest and in my stomach and after that I actually really did feel a release I felt a tingling I had like visions and sh- like it was it was definitely there stuff happened and I feel actually different than I did from that's awesome that. well yeah. good I'm, I'm glad you're trying all the all the healing powers all the things. And maybe you'll write a book after this <laughs> yeah a ver qué pasa. I've been I've been trying to write more I've been sharing more on, on social este, pero tú como estás, Brenda? Um, I am good it's great to see you in person we get these little spurts when you when you uh, get to be in town so it's so great to have Ana Sheila here we're, we're in WeHo it's Cesar Chavez day I didn't have to pay for parking so actually on this flight that I was this flight from hell like there was a guy that was like si se puede because like we finally got on the flight after 12 hours of waiting pero anyways <laughs> <laughs> yes because I've been following on, on the social I saw that your flight was supposed to be 8 p.m. and it left at 5 a.m. the next day 6 a.m. Oh, but oh yeah <laughs> terrible and terrible. you were at the airport the whole time 
Um, actually, I went home and I slept oh, for for, for an hour and a half. Home. That was it. That was Pero beautiful. Este, you went home. You it, was did a, it. it was algo. Yeah. Algo. Este, but anyways. Well, speaking of uh, you should write stuff. <laughs> uh, we've got your I'm so good at these transitions now. Maybe. So hopefully. good. We'll see. So we'll good. try. Well, today I'm excited to bring you this awesome conversation with Prisca Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez. She is, a, if you all don't know, she is the author of Four Brown Girls with Sharp Edges and Tender Hearts, which I know Ana Sheila has in her to-do list of books to read. I have it with me right now. I'm oh, reading. I'm reading oh it. God. I'm in the I process. Love it. Loving it. It's so it. great. It's so great. I have, and I've, I've shared on this podcast before that I read it a couple of times. I even assigned it to my students. So. Briska was so great. She came to speak to my students. So what you're going to hear are excerpts from that conversation with Briska Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez coming in and speaking to um, my students. So let me tell you a little bit more about Briska. She is a storyteller, a public theologist, and a feminist. The bulk of her work is around making accessible through storytelling and curating content the theories and heavy materials that is oftentimes only taught in the racist classist institutions known as academia. So uh, I, I think that's really funny because she came and talked to my at my university. <laughs> she talked about that. But even if you haven't picked up her book, you're going to gain some great insights about writing and publishing. You're going to learn um, all of what fuels Prisca's bold and unapologetic voice, what inspired Latina rebels, I mean, she's just phenomenal, and we are so delighted to bring you some gems from our chat with Priscadorcas Mojica Rodriguez. When I started Latina Rebels, I was in my graduate program at the time, and the intention behind Latina Rebels was I'm getting access to all this information that I know people like me, mommy, and papi don't have access to. So what can I do to translate all this stuff? And so I started looking at Tumblr back in the day when I started it, <laughs> but just finding memes and gifts to talk about like machismo and colorism and sexual liberation versus a purity narrative. And I just started trying to find things that were explaining a lot of the stuff that I was reading in school. And that was the inception of Latina Rebels. And then that was 2013. And I've kind of kept doing that when I started writing, it was the same thing. Uh, but I was writing for small publications for years. And then when the book kind of came, like fell in my lap, the book opportunity, my agent actually found me on Twitter in the direct message. So it goes down in the DMs for real. Um, but yeah, when it, when that came, that vision came, that idea of writing a book came, I just knew that it had to be the same idea. Cause I don't, there, for me, writing and <laughs> being someone online isn't like, oh, me encanta la fama. And I love it. I love is like, that has never been, I don't even like visibility in that way. <laughs> for me, it's always been how to, how to what I do what I breathe, what I wear, what I consume, help our people. And so I wanted to write a book that people who wouldn't pick up bell hooks because we're usually given that assignment in university classrooms. Somebody who wouldn't pick that up would pick up my book because it's trade, because it's mainstream. And because I will have tried to write it in a way that they'll understand bell hooks and other thinkers like bell hooks. So yeah, that was always the intention is like, um, how do I get me mommy to think about these things? 
But when you propose a book, like if you all are ever in the position where you want to get a book made, you have to write a book proposal. And a book proposal is very similar to like a business plan. Uh, you have to write an outline. You don't have to sell your whole book done. In fact, I would, I would argue don't sell it done like that because editors are always thinking about who's going to buy this. And if it's too like the book that I actually ended up writing, I think they wouldn't have paid as much money as they did. But then I got to propose it in a very particular way. And in the proposal, you also write, like you suggest all your titles, you suggest, um, like you give a blurb of every type of every chapter. Um, you suggest all your, you suggest everything. (laughs) And so I had suggested 20 chapters and my book went to auctions. That means that a lot of editors were interested in buying it. What that meant was that I got power. We usually in publishing, you're just like happy one publisher picked it up and you don't question anything. And so when you have the interview with that one publisher, you're just excited to be there. But thankfully I had like six publishers that were interested in publishing. So then I had all the power to be like, oh, what are, what are your suggestions in marketing? What are your suggestions in the proposal? What did, what did you read about the proposal? What called to you or whatever? And the one person I ended up picking was um, for the only non-white person, um, the only non-white editor that reached out. Her name is Amy Ekanda. She's Japanese-American. And I have like this thing for strong, bossy women. And like the first thing she said was like, I love your 20 chapters, but like it could be 10 easily. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And she gave me all the chapters that you see today. She's like, condense these topics, condense these topics and go. And I was like, I love it. Thank you for the clarity. That's what editors are supposed to do. (laughs) A good editor anyways will like guide you enough. Uh, The hardest chapter, I think, for me to write, this is hard. I think toxic masculinity was really hard for me to write. It's it's easy to talk about white people (laughs) and the ways that they just do things and and it's easy to like analyze and critique that it's harder to look inward into your family dynamics and i i it took me a while to write that chapter and i would select all and delete like i did that three times because i just was like the first one came out really angry and really hurt that you couldn't get to the content of it which, which shouldn't be the point of storytelling, it should be to connect people, to build bridges. So as I kept writing it and writing it, I kept finding the right tone where I needed to go, but also like it was haunting. It was haunting me to write that chapter. I, I had a nightmares every night about being chased by a saw, like just weird shit. Uh, so I <laughs> woke up, I remember what, the version that you all saw today, I wrote in about three hours. It was insane. I woke up at like two or 3 a.m. and I woke up from a nightmare and I was like, this chapter is haunting me. So I need to write it so that my audience understands how haunting this topic is because it's so felt. And if you've felt it in your family dynamics, it is like very scary, but also very sad. And it affects us in the ways that like, a cuento de fantasmas would affect us. And I wanted I wanted to write it like that. And so even the way I ended it, my favorite ghost story growing up was about this like girl in a lake who was who drowned. And then she came out of the lake and um, she would kill people. Um, 
And so I remember growing up, my brother, my brother's like the best storyteller in our family. And I remember he would tell us every time I knew where the story went, but every time I was like, say it again. (laughs) And how that ends, that story ends is an old lady opens the door to her house. And this girl has been coming to her house, this ghost, right? Who's going to murder her has been coming to her house every night. And the old lady has figured out that this is a little girl who drowned in the lake. And so she asks her, are you the little girl who drowned in the lake? And she like, the way that you tell the story is you're like, yes. And then like, you know, you like jump and you're like, oh, okay, terrible. But that's how the story ends. It doesn't go anywhere else. So I was like, I need, I want to end it like that. I want to end it with that horrible feeling. So it was the, and after all of that, I still want my brother and my dad to accept me and love me for who I am. Cause that is haunting and it's scary, like a scary story. So yeah, that one was hard. <laughs> uh, the volunteerism chapter towards the end. If I have one regret, it's to the when I talk about my cousin. Uh, I think that my dad and my mom helped me write a lot of this stuff because there's a lot of stuff that you just grow up hearing, but you don't know all the details about. So they were really helpful with all that. But I don't, what's happening in Nicaragua now and how my family is vulnerable now felt, it felt like a big gamble to even mention because people know where the Mojicas live. Like, you know, Latin American countries, everybody knows each other by their family last name (laughs) and everybody knows where the Mojicas live. And so I just, I wish I hadn't included that because that, that was really hard to include personally. And then it's also very hard the reality of what danger or harm could I be putting them in by mentioning them. If you've ever read Priska's book or follow her on social media, you know that the subject of white fragility is one that she unpacks so well. We asked her, how does she navigate white fragility, especially as someone who is married into a white family? I don't know if I have the best response, y'all. <laughs> Porque I'm malcriada and I've stayed malcriada. And I think that mal- being malcriada is very much like resistance to being palatable in this white family. I'm also, this is my second marriage. You better believe the angelic and like his family is my family thing kind of leaves, I think, after your first marriage, (laughs) because you realize like, oh, these people are like going to leave my life. Like these aren't my family for real. So I went into my the second marriage very viva, (laughs) con los ojos abiertos, and very aware that this isn't my family and I don't need their approval. I don't need them to like me. I don't need them to think that what I'm saying is nice. I don't I don't need any of that. And it's been great for me personally, because uh, they're a white, they're a white family who voted for Trump in like this America. (laughs) And I don't, I don't have to make any, I don't bend. And I don't, I think that that's a, that's a good thing. And it doesn't cause conflict because I've been this person when we were dating. So that is also another thing, like being very honest with your partner and being on the same page. Like you got to talk about race if you're dating somebody who has more social capital and more systemic power than you. You got to talk finances. You got to you got to talk about all these things early (laughs) because they're going to like come out in conflicts when you're later down the line, potentially even married. And it's just going to be way more complicated than
Poriska really embodies the me vale attitude. We asked her how she harnesses that confidence, especially in light of challenges she speaks about, like imposter syndrome. Before I knew any of these terms, before I understood systemic oppression, before I understood any of that, I thought it was all me. And I carried that like a lot of, like somebody who didn't have a lot of confidence. I walked into rooms thinking like, if things went wrong, it was my fault. If people didn't treat me well, I didn't do enough signaling that I was a good person. Like I had a lot of stuff that I carried. And cuando me di cuenta what was happening, it was very easy for me to be like, oh, fuck this backpack I'm carrying. And so I don't carry it anymore, but it takes like an intimate knowledge of this stuff. And that's why I wanted to write the book that way that I wrote it, because it isn't, we're not talking about imposter syndrome as like this buzzword we see on social media. No, it like actually impacts all of us in very realistic ways. <laughs> and when you know tangibly the ways that it impacts you, you, you can like talk yourself out of, the edge of a cliff that we sometimes go to when we do feel like it's our fault and we didn't do enough. We weren't, we didn't work hard. We didn't sound as smart as we should have. When you understand that it's bigger than that, you, todos los pelos de la lengua, like leave. Like you're just like, fuck it. Here I am. Take it or leave it. I don't give a damn. Like you just like, it changes the way you move through the world and the team, it changes like your posturing in the world. So yeah, it's a lot of like under deeply, deeply understanding how oppression works. Longtime followers of Latina Rebels know that Prisca Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez has a lot to say. She tells us a little bit about how she became a writer through her social media journey. And she reminds us about the power of storytelling in our communities and has great advice for young people today. I started on Instagram captions. My, I've never journaled. <laughs> I wasn't encouraged to be a writer. I, I started because if y'all go through those Instagram captions, the ones that you're like, see more, and it's like, kapow. Some of our communities know how to tell a story just in an IG caption. Y'all are, we are natural storytellers. Like I talked to my, so my partner's white, right? I ask him all the time, like, how'd your parents meet? He's like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, I know how my parents met my dad's side and my mom's side because they also have a fight about whose version's right. <laughs> I know how my tias met their husbands. I know how my tios met their wives. Like I know... Every story, I know all the stories of fantasmas that they have all experienced, like all of them. Like the first time they saw ghosts, I knew each one of them and I could tell you where they were. We are storytellers. Our families keep our our lives alive in our memories through these storytellers. So it came natural. And not only that, but like I went to a Pentecostal Christian church, like a charismatic church. Pastors are storytellers. Like we are surrounded and inundated by storytelling. But then school, they're like, no, there's only one way to tell a story. There's only one way to write. And then we kind of, we forget that we have this natural thing within us. And so we override it with all these structures and all these rules that I think have messed us up. <laughs> so I started on IG captions telling stories. And from there, the Huffington Post reached out to me. I graduated May, 2015. They reached out in August. I was writing full-time, writing for like nine publications, January of 2016. So like it happened quick. It happened out of nowhere. <laughs> and what do, what do people in our community tell stories for? To give warning to teach lessons, to, it's like, it's almost like gossip. 
and to keep our stories alive because nobody's gonna like institutions aren't gonna honor us by daring to tell our stories like they aren't um my grandpa came from El Salvador and ran like a really successful music band and like Samsung had like sponsored him Nowhere in Nicaraguan history is there any mention of him. He wrote one of like the traditional Nicaraguan songs that everybody knows about. Nobody knows that. <laughs> so like our families are the only ones that can keep our stories alive. So I I wanted to keep that tradition. And I think people respond to it because it's the way you all talk to each other. And it's the way that we communicate with each other. So we have been told for years that there was only one way to be successful in the United States. And it required like getting your bachelor's, uh, you know, graduating from high school, getting your bachelor's degree and beyond. And I have a whole ass career as an author from an Instagram caption. I think that expand the ways that we have envisioned success um, expand the limitations of what you think is respectable. And, and more than that, don't allow your feelings of, of, of unworthiness stop you from doing whatever. Like my partner the other day, he's like, I don't know how you even thought anybody would care about your thoughts. Like, that's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> like, but, but I did, I dared to think that I had something to say and I got $75,000 for my first book. And I think that you have a lot more valuable things to say than the thousands of white influencers online. <laughs> so dare to say it and, and not be perfect. It like, you'll figure it out along the way. I did. I started at LR 2013. It's going to be 10 years next year. And I'm a very different person today than I was when I started it. So allow yourself to grow and be okay with figuring out on the go and who knows where life will take you. Well, we hope you liked hearing from Prisca Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez. If you haven't already, please don't forget to pick up her book. It's called For Brown Girls with the Sharp Edges and Tender Hearts. And please, of course, consider picking it up from an independent bookstore, please. So, um, Anna Sheila, you know, something that really resonated with me from Prisca's book is sort of like this, you know, feeling insecure, feeling out of place, because a lot of us struggle with imposter syndrome. We've all, we've all at some point have felt this way that we don't belong, that we don't deserve to be in certain spaces. Um, but what she shares, which I agree with, is that it's super, super empowering when you start to unpack that and start to recognize that there's like real external forces that fuel that feeling, things like gatekeeping, white privilege, you know, limiting notions of what a woman, what women can be or should be, you know, calladitas te ves mejor and all that shit. So that's all at play. <laughs> that, that, that all fuels some of this insecurity. And I want to know, like, does that theme come up with your coaching sessions? I know you, you help a lot of people break through a lot of the barriers that get in the way of the goals that they want to achieve. And so I just, I'm curious, like, what do you think of imposter syndrome? How is that showing up when you have these conversations with your clients? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's a very common theme because most of my clients are um, like BIPOC folk. And this is a very big topic in, in a lot of what they're what they're working through. And I think that like what what I've done with a lot of my clients and like because it's what I've done with myself is like is that unpacking of like where does this even come from and realizing that really like 
it's been fed. We've been made to feel like this way or like not enough and that that's bullshit. And that it's like someone decided and we know who decided like the hierarchy of bodies and experiences and identities. And a lot of us being brown, whatever other identities we have are lower in that hierarchy. And we get to like just call that out as bullshit and start to explore how it's impacted us like unravel that and start challenging that in small ways. And of course we can't just like turn it on and be like, all right, like that's bullshit. Now, that one's confident. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it's like the first step is awareness. And that's where I start with a lot of my clients is because a lot of them haven't even really unpacked that. I'm like, where does that even come from? So exploring where does that come from? What are the stories I'm telling myself and how can I start to like challenge them in in, in small ways? Yeah, yeah, definitely a theme that comes across from a lot of our listeners that we've had in these conversations. Yeah. And I'm reminded, I know pretty soon, listeners, we're going to have a fabulous episode coming up around sex and pleasure. And I've recommended to you, Anna Shayla, there's this awesome new series on Netflix. I think it was just just three episodes, but it, it all centers on women's pleasure. And in, in this whole notion of like, who is a leader and, and who gets to be a leader, that also impacts who gets to have an orgasm, because it's like, we it, pleasure is for everyone. It's not just for the heteronormative blonde couple that's in the that centers all all uh, romance novels that's that's at the center of all rom-coms that's at yeah. the center of all porn you know like yeah um it's really really liberating and i hi- highly recommend that series and i can't wait for listeners to hear our episode that's coming up yes any thoughts on that um like i i, I mean what I, you know this episode you haven't recorded this episode but what can you what, can, what teasers can you give us about the conversation coming up on sex Um, I mean, we're really like exploring again. It's all about we're always it's like the unpacking, the unlearning. It's like, what are the things that are stopping? What why what's getting in the way of us just like experiencing more pleasure? Yeah. And I love, you know, one of your catchphrases. (laughs) I don't know if you trademark it, but like get out of your head and into your yeah, heart yes like that's at the core of pleasure but yes. also at the core of a lot of this 100 percent. that's literally like my mantra for the year is get out of i've got like other intentions but that's like get out of my head so much and into my heart and into my body and let myself feel i'm over here doing body rolls for for brenda yeah. y'all can see it we'll put it on a freaking <laughs> mug and let's share some, sell some, merch. <laughs> sell some i know we want to sell some mugs y'all so we hopefully soon <laughs> yes okay well to wrap up our, our our little chat here let's do our rapid fire questions and why don't we have you start out Anna Sheila, start out with your matraca then give us your rasura then give us your calma so what's your okay, matraca okay. uh my matraca because it's top of mind, it's going to like, I'm thinking about my flight ordeal again. And the people that just like show me the beauty of being human. And so, so I'm going to give a shout out to some of these people. I'm going to give a shout out to the person that started the chant when we were all pissed off at the airport that was like, mentirosos, mentirosos, <laughs> mentirosos. And like, you know, it that moment, it made us all, this was a terrible situation that we were all in but we felt connected in our suffering so like compassion in our suffering i mean that's that's the definition of compassion it's like you're connected in your suffering (laughs) and then also these two women who like were like a they were like a light because this was a terrible situation but they were still somehow almost shining they're like at a certain point you can you can let the rage keep controlling you or you can just be like this is what it is. Let me let go. And I was able to connect with these two beautiful women. Like they were just, their light was shining. And I was like, I want to 
embody that. Yeah. So that's who I, I want to give a matraca to those two women and, and that man who started the Mentirosos chant. I love it. Mentirosos. Okay, I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. And what about your basura? My basura, you know, it'll be maybe a little bit old news by the time this releases, but just the whole um, Will Smith situation. Yeah, I, this is old news, but let's get into it because we talked about possibly introducing uh, a, a, a segment about our hot takes. So yes. what is your hot tamale? My hot tamale. Let us know if you tamale. like that. Hot tamale. Um, I mean, the whole the whole situation is basura. I mean, I, I honestly, I am a fan. I have been a fan of, of Will Smith. So I was like disappointed that it sucked that that happened. It sucked that he was in a place emotionally that he reacted that way on a stage like that. So like overall, you know, like that sucks. But also like all the like all the armchair judgment and just like, I also want to give that, put that in the basura. Like, it's just like, it points to what people choose to focus on and, and why, and like pay attention to the things that people talk about and what they don't talk about and what they make a big deal out of. And not, not that that wasn't a big deal, but I, I don't know. I will say I'm, I'm a little bit just like still kind of reflecting on it. Yeah. You know? how, how are you? Well, you know, how, I have thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Go One for it. Is I've been Will Smith. Like yeah. I've been Will Smith. I've yeah. gotten so fired up and so yeah. angry that it's an out of body experience. Right. That's yeah. I've been that person. Yeah. And uh, I haven't gone to therapy to understand what that is. I mean, I have I've had I've, I've met the seat, the belt as a kid. I mean, violence was hurled at me as a child, as as it was to many of our listeners. Yeah. So who knows why I get angry enough to want to hit someone? Yeah. But I've been Will Smith. So right. I empathize with with yeah. that feeling. But um, I'm really sad for him. Yeah, I think he too. did wrong. And, 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 you know, the Academy was was maybe they should have asked him to leave. And, you know, they, they you know, they, they're certainly not uh, um, free of guilt. But... I also think we need to retire bad jokes, bad jokes about women's bodies, like yes. tired ass jokes about women's yes. bodies. That's that's the other thing. And I and I um, take issue with people being, oh, no, comedy. Comedy is now at risk because we can't say things. No, no, no. Right. Like, it's not all that. It, this yeah. is not, like no, nobody deserves the violence. But we need we don't also none of us deserve bad jokes at the expense of women so that's, yeah that's my and health and, and people's like health issues yeah basura, no. basura, basura to all that whole situation yeah bueno now your calma to, to bring us all in okay so my calma has been writing i have been writing up a storm and it's i, I felt a little bit more creative and it's been beautiful like just anytime like again out of my head and into my heart like i feel a lot bubbling up it's like write it down write it down yes. write it down write it down you and could write a, you could write an album yeah, that's what I was, I was. I think I shared that the other day because I was um, I got a little like high and I was like, oh, shit. And then I felt like I was writing a whole like love album. Do it. Do it, girl. I'm oh. telling you, that's the, my biggest regret when I've had opportunities to channel some sadness into creativity is that, damn, dude, I could have written yeah. a whole fucking album. So, and, you know, and you know whose music now. is really hitting right now? And like it, it's taken a whole different dimension for me is like. Again, the genius of Selena and obviously the the writers is her her brother is like her songs they hit in a way that like very few other singers love songs hit. Like if you think about No Me Queda Más, No Me Queda Más, girl. Oh my God, I'm yeah. Tears. Anyways, este, <laughs> um, but real quick, I wanted to share something I'm gonna do that okay. I want to include in Calma that I want to recommend to people is um I for some reason I was thinking about my a middle school teacher, my avid teacher. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I do avid. Know avid. It's like a college prep program mm -hmm. that I was a part of. And I'm my eighth grade avid teacher who inspired like a lot of confidence in me, even when I didn't see it. 
and who like taught me about indigenous like rights and all these things that at that time, like I hadn't really reflected on. And I just was thinking about what an impact he made on me. And I actually looked him up and I found his phone number. So I'm going to actually call him and tell him like how much he meant to me. And so I just, if folks have people that they really admire and had a big impact on them that maybe they haven't told enough or haven't told at all. um, Yeah. I love that. Uh, that is a great transition for me to share my matraca because my matraca goes to people that done, have done that for us. They, they've taken the time to tell us how yes. much we mean to them. And that's really, really sweet. So real quick, it's uh, Chicas Políticas podcast hosted by Rita and Yesenia para la gente de the Central Coast. So they are based in um, Paso Robles in that area. And so they, they are cultivating political power for the Latinx folks in that area. And I had a chance to meet with Yesenia because I was in town. So shout out to them. And also shout out to uh, uh, Ocupación Podcast, another great podcast hosted by Delcy Sandoval, who sent us flowers because today is Jefa Day. So thank you all for, for taking that time to like build community with us. So I absolutely, absolutely love that. And that is so thoughtful. I know, flowers. Man, it makes me want to do you. something thoughtful like that. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Very, very sweet. I really appreciate it. And then my quick basura is just the feeling of FOMO. Like, let's like get rid of that feeling. I need to just remember that it's trash. So FOMO is trash. I'm just recognizing <laughs> that. And, and my calma is good old fashioned reading. I've been reading a lot and actual physical book in my hands. I'm reading right now Erika Sanchez's memoir, Crying in the Bathroom, which is out in July. And I can't recommend it enough. So just to wrap up this episode, Thank you, Anna Shayla. It was so great to meet with you in person. If you all hear some shuffling, if you all hear some, <laughs> some hitting of, of chairs, it's because we've forgotten how to, be, how to record a podcast live My and in bad. person versus on Zoom. <laughs> Pero please uh, read, reach out to us. Send us your love notes. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you Abrazos y besos. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.